It's dark and my six-month-old just won't sleep. But uh, when it comes to keeping a baby quiet at two in the morning, I'm not sure if anyone's really cut out for that work. And I'm definitely not. So I'm doing whatever I can do to get through this. And right now, that means having my smartphone out and doing some sweet online shopping. And eventually I find them, right? They're the perfect blue, acid wash, straight leg, button fly. And the best part, right, at $20, they're under my budget, even with tax and shipping. Hunky dad look, here I come. And ping, order placed. And then I see that these are being shipped from Cambodia. I think they might be made there, which is cool, I guess. Putting money into an emerging market's probably a good thing, isn't it? Hello, and welcome to ESG Now, the MSCI ESG podcast. I'm your normal host, Matt Muscardi, but this episode is not a normal episode because on it, we have Bentley Kaplan doing guest duties. He's the voice you heard at the top. Bentley was on our Halloween episode, reenacting Frankenstein in virtually its entirety. He's normally one of our ESG experts in South Africa, and his story today deals with a global problem. One investors probably think of first when they think emerging markets, corruption. And Bentley's story focuses on one thing in particular, figuring out who actually pays for corruption. And Bentley will walk us through how corruption can have a personal cost, whether it's Cambodian blue jeans or life in South Africa. But in the end, investors may end up paying the most for systemic corruption and maybe not in the way you think. Compared to most countries, Cambodia is quite corrupt. Transparency International, for example, ranks it as one of the 20 most corrupt countries in the world. And all of that corruption, it really adds up. Maybe it's even as much as two or three of the $20 I'm paying for these jeans. See, the cost of all of that grease and that corruption is baked into my order. It's my dollars that are going into the pocket of a corrupt customs official or the slush fund of a local permitting office. And even worse, it's not only that I'm paying for corruption, I'm actually going to be wearing it. Figure-hugging corruption. Sorry, Bentley, I have to interrupt here. If for no other reason than to say I can't wait to get on the wait list to buy what is inevitably the future of fashion in figure-hugging corruption jeans... But really, I have to out myself here, and probably some of our listeners. I am an American, a loud, barbecue-eating, slovenly American. And as an American, corruption seems foreign, like someone else's problem. It's like something I need to take a couple of flights and a dozen sleeping pills to actually see in the flesh— and even then, it sounds kind of abstract. Like, in Cambodia, getting my cheap jeans feels like it's just paying off a local official, maybe to avoid a tariff or a building code. It's like small cheating. But I'm an American, and Bentley is from South Africa. And that difference, it matters a lot. So then, what if we're not talking about minor corruption anymore? What if we're not talking about a few low-level officials? 
What happens when the whole state has evolved into one big shakedown operation? And what happens when the guy in charge of that shakedown operation is your country's president? And this is where it gets personal for me. Maybe even a little too personal. A bit close to home. So I'm going to step back for a sec, and I'm going to ask my colleague Dan Rogachnik about this. He's one of our senior analysts in Cape Town. Okay, so Dan, uh, South Africa, here we are, and corruption is just everywhere in the media, headlines. Can you put that into context for us? The center of this whole period of kind of endemic uh, systemic corruption has been the Zuma, Zuma government. Um, firstly, now w- what's emerging since Zuma's departure uh, last year is it's just the scale of it is, is breathtaking. Um, how brazen the corruption was, you know, people carrying sacks full of cash and, and handing them over for, for preference in tenders and government tenders. And, and it's, yeah, it's just extraordinary. Okay, in 2008, one rand would have bought Dan about nine hours of TV time. That's just enough to get through all seasons of the BBC's new Sherlock series. Today in 2018, that same one rand barely gets down through two episodes. Not even enough time to meet Jim Moriarty. And what even is the point of Sherlock without Moriarty? Uh, a, a good example of that is, is, you know, I pay for electricity dutifully every year, um, every month, sorry, and it's gone up in, you know, at least by 300%, probably more than that, actually. Um, that's an, that's on average for the I guess for the consumer it's gone up even more than that, um, and there's no sign that it's that it's going to to stabilize even though the the kind of corrupt forces have have been purged for the most part. So here I am picturing Dan and Bentley sitting in the dark together without the BBC Sherlock to comfort them, and while I'm sorry for them, it still feels pretty far away. I mean, in fairness, Jacob Zuma, the now-deposed, heavily corrupt ex-president of South Africa, was actually accused of corruption and deposed as deputy president of his own political party, well before he became president in the first place. So this still feels like I'm a few flights away from understanding it, even at a state scale. And investors often feel that way, too. Investors tend to view emerging markets as risk for exactly this reason. There's more political or corruption risk in these markets. So as long as you stick to developed market stocks and avoid South Africa and Cambodia and its hip-hugging corruption, you can keep corruption two flights away from your portfolio, right? The companies you're invested in are probably based in clean, regulated markets, right? The US, Germany, the UK... France. And some of these companies are global, right? They tend to have it proudly printed somewhere on their stationery and company posters and mugs. And the thing about global companies is that they probably have a footprint in a country like South Africa or Cambodia or Brazil or Turkey, countries with these sticky webs of corruption. And this is where it gets critical, because if you're an investor in a global company based in a country like the US or the UK, corruption in distant emerging markets is something you should definitely be worried about. Because that corruption isn't just a few bucks added onto a pair of jeans or pricey electricity. It's much, much more expensive than that. And why? 
Well, because investing in these global companies is a lot like taking a bet. And I'm not talking about a bet against benchmark returns or the oil price or a property bubble. It's a bet against anti-corruption regulators. And see, this to me is the key to Bentley's story. In some ways, investors today aren't actually investing in developed markets or emerging markets. They're investing in a global web of commerce. And when you invest in a large multinational company in a developed market, you may think the bet you're taking is something fundamental, like next quarter's profits or earnings per share. But there's a hidden bet that Bentley points out, a bet that regulators in your market don't notice corruption in another market. And the investors who are making that bet, well, let's say sometimes the results don't go their way. And what you're betting essentially is that your company, right, the one you're invested in, is going to keep its nose clean in a corrupt market like South Africa. Or if it does do some shady things, it doesn't get caught. Problem is, those regulators in developed market countries like the UK, they're getting pretty good at catching corruption in British companies wherever they're operating. And our corruption data is showing that pretty clearly. It's more likely to happen to developed market companies than to emerging market companies. And what does that mean for you? Well, it means when you invest in a British company, say HSBC, even if it has pretty strong anti-corruption controls, it's more likely to get caught for corruption than a company based in an emerging market. And HSBC did get caught, in South Africa of all places, where Dan's electricity prices are skyrocketing. See, HSBC allegedly aided in money laundering, the company may have been one of the cogs in South Africa's statewide corruption scandal. And if you invested in HSBC, at the same time, you threw in a bet against the UK's Financial Conduct Authority. And you lost. And that follows on to my favourite question. Remember, who pays? When a company is corrupt, who pays? And you know the answer now, right? It's you, the investor. You pay. Because all of those things that hover over corruption scandals bad headlines, resigning executives, dropping share prices and hefty fines, they all take big chunks out of your investment, or rather the investment that you didn't realize was actually more of a bet. So where does all of that leave us? When it comes to paying for corruption, we all do. Sometimes it's really small, just a few dollars added onto the cost of some designer jeans. Sometimes it's painful failing infrastructure, and soaring electricity prices. But if you're investing in companies, you may be missing the crucial interplay between a company's regulator and its operations. Because the risks coming out of corporate corruption aren't only about where a company is greasing palms. It's also very much about which anti-corruption regulators are watching, and how good they are. Because when companies are corrupt, it's ultimately investors that pay. That's our show, and that was Bentley Kaplan, one of our intrepid analysts based in South Africa. I want to thank him for remote hosting this show today. This whole show was based off a presentation he gave in London late last year about corruption for our investors. If you want to see it, reach out. He used real fancy numbers. It's beautifully done, and I'm sure we'd be happy to share it with you. Also, Thanks to Dan Rogotchnig, another of our senior South African analyst gurus, and a shout out to Bentley's insightful wife, Tully Hoffman, who Bentley forced, I'm sure forced, to have long recorded conversations 
with him about corruption, which I guess is the next best thing to sitting in the dark without the BBC's Sherlock. Our next story will be in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, Mike DeCebedo and I will put on our first news podcast this week, so stay tuned for that. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate us, email, comment. We love the feedback. We read it all even if we can't respond. I'm your host, Matt Muscardi. This is ESG Now. We'll see you again soon. Okay, so we are we are rolling. Um... Okay, and test, test, test. Take two. Take fucking two. I know, but whiskey and wine and the children are asleep. Fine. Let's do some podcast. <laughs> okay. That was the, uh, I think, the the end of, you know, the end of that. It's a bit of a meh ending, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can punch the ending. Of the book. Yeah, I'm sure Matt can trim that and sound, <laughs> sound really cool and punchy. Cool. And scene... The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or a promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.